we're going to uh, pick up where we left off last week. I don't know if we'll teach on this next week, but we'll keep going uh, in the future on this subject called authorized. And authorized, we discussed this a little bit last week, and I would encourage you, if you didn't hear last week or you're watching online, I know we have a lot of people out of town, uh, to go back and watch last week. Get yourself caught up. Uh, this is super important. We discussed this. Is there authority and there are there reasons, uh, if there is some kind of authority that's given to us by God, why it would work, why it wouldn't work, what we would need to do to make it work. And so we're going to be discussing this when, it, when we titled this authorized. Authorized literally means to give a legal right to use authority. And so if we have a legal right to authority, what does it look like? How does it work? I mean, there's a lot of questions. And so if you will, open your Bible to Psalm 119. The basis of all authority, spiritual authority, starts right here where we're going to talk about today for a little bit. This is where spiritual authority begins. And understand this, spiritual authority uh, has results in this natural realm will affect people spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. All different avenues are affected or can be by spiritual authority. But I'm afraid that the church uh, has not done a good job with the authority we have. Therefore, in some senses, we've seen things happen in the world and let it be or tried to approach it from a solely natural approach, and it hasn't worked, or we thought if God wants something to happen, he would surely have done it by now, and therefore, because it hasn't happened, it must not be something he wants. And those statements that I just made are not true. But how come they're true or not? What would make them right or not? Well, we're going to talk about that today, and we're going to talk about it here in Psalm 119. And the basis for all things or authority technically is the Bible. That's a pretty lofty statement. It's a big statement. Psalm 119, verse 89 says this, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. We need to understand this, that heaven has a viewpoint of the Bible. The viewpoint of heaven is not always the viewpoint of earth. Is that not the truth? Even though the viewpoint of heaven is conveyed to the earth, we know even at the beginning when there was Adam and Eve, we look and see that God gave spoken words, which we now have written. They were given. Those words were settled in heaven. He said, if, if you do this, this will happen. If you do this, this will happen. If you don't do this, and on and on. And then we come to find out that earth did not agree with heaven. Right? There was some trickery going on, some deception going on, some thoughts and some ideas and some subjection or, you know, some suggestions came to Eve and to Adam. 
and they ate, and guess what? They actually had authority, and through ignorance or deception, they forfeited it. You with me? And from that time forward, God set up covenants and sent His Son to restore authority, at least some, until He returns. And so we can see that the Word of God is the basis for all spiritual authority and, and really how things will ultimately turn out. And so when He said right here, Forever, O Lord, Your Word is settled in heaven then we need to realize this, then it must be settled in my life. When Adam and Eve did not settle God's word in their life, the authority they had over the enemy and certain things in their life got reorganized, got reshuffled. And uh, where they should have been having victory, they didn't have victory. And they got tricked. Why? Because the basis of authority comes through the knowledge of God's Word. And not only does it come that way, now hear this, that can be true, but do us no good because we don't accept it as the Word of God. So let's read on. It says, Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You established the earth and it abode. And we know how he did it, through his word. They continue to this day according to your ordinances or what you said. For all are your servants. Unless your law had been my delight, I would then have perished in my affliction. So we see this psalmist here who is writing by inspiration of God saying, Heaven has established the word forever. And then he basically said, if I would not have done it, I would have perished in my affliction if I would not have accepted the word of God the same way. One thing that is probably fundamental, and we said this last week, most problems in life and issues in life um, are simple to cure. But sometimes the simple answer we don't want. We want a miracle from God. And God's like, well, why don't you forgive him? I need a miracle. Why don't you do this? A lot of our problems come because we just create them. We knew what to do. We didn't do it. And then we're like, what's your problem, God? And he's like... I already instructed you. You get what I'm saying? And thankfully, when we get to heaven, we won't be dealing with these issues anymore. But while we're here, we're dealing with them. So turn to Psalm 119.105. It might just be on the same page. It says this, uh, or if it, you're in a Bible app, it's, it's a ways away probably. Uh, Psalm 119.105, it says... Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Notice that statement. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 
That is such a huge thing. If God's Word is inspired, and it is, then it is to be a light unto your path. If I don't follow the Word, then I don't have light for my feet, and I don't have light for my path. Then what would the opposite be? It would be darkness. What happens in the dark? Usually the stuff that happens that not, that's not good is in the dark, right? I mean, I normally don't bang my toe into something until it's dark, you know, getting up at night, ow! But I'm telling you, most tripping, stumbling, falling happens in the dark. And he said his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Why did God give you his written word? So you could see what's going on. It may seem so fundamentally foolish to make a statement like that. Well, come on. I see what's going on. But do you see what's going on? Do you really see? Apart from the Word of God, we do not see properly. Now, that doesn't mean you're not intelligent in the sense that you've been educated real highly and then you can observe things that are going on and you can look at circumstances and you can evaluate them and you can say this is what's going on. But there may be a better way to look at things like that. You with me? And so... Here's an issue. Sometimes people take part of the word and part of secular ideas, mix them together, and then there's a shade. It's not dark and it's not light. It's kind of twisted. We need to understand the word, whatever standard it sets, and however it beams its light, is the final authority. That's how we need to look at the Bible. If we're going to be Christians and we're going to follow God, there is no true way to follow God apart from His Word. Because, why? Because then everybody will have their own ideas. Then, if the Word is not the standard, then what becomes the standard? And did God give the Word as a standard? And if He did give the Word as a standard then it's not God who needs to change. It's not my neighbor who needs to change. It's not my wife or my brothers or, you know, my boss. Life would be better if my boss was different. No, life would be different if we would put the Word of God at a high place. And I don't mean a high place like move it up a couple notches. I mean put it where it is. Heaven has established that the Word of God, the Bible, is settled. And if it's settled there, then we need to get it settled here in our hearts individually. And these are some things that the Bible says. Second Timothy, the third chapter, and I've said this before, there are some verses, you know, as I would first start studying my Bible, and... Uh, look at different scriptures, I came to find out there were some 316 scriptures. 
You know what I mean by that? John 3.16, that was real famous. John 3.16. Wow, that's a cool verse. God loved the world. He gave His only begotten Son. But then I realized there were other real cool 3.16 verses that His name through faith in His name made this person whole. And then this verse right here in Timothy, 2 Timothy, the third chapter, notice this. All Scripture... And if you're not sure what verse it is, you're going to have to go back and listen to this again. 3.16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Let me make that statement again. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means... It was God breathed, God promoted, it was given by God for what's the purpose that it was inspired. This, in other words, even though men were used to write the scripture, the Bible said that those holy men were moved upon to write and to put these things down. It is a phenomenal book. And it is the most valued. But all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So the Scriptures that are in there are given by inspiration of God. Now you can make this statement. All Scripture God can speak through and does speak through. Because it's inspired by God to be in there. But understand this. Not all Scripture is God talking. Now let me make this statement because you hear that and you go, what do you mean God's not talking? You said God talks through Scripture. God does talk through Scripture, but not all the Scripture is God talking. Let me give you an example. When it's written in the Bible that Satan came to Jesus and said, I want you to bow down and worship me, that was not God speaking. That was the devil speaking. But God can use those scriptures and speak to us through those scriptures, and it was put in there by inspiration of God so we could know how the devil operates. And we could know that the devil doesn't just attack people who are messed up. Yeah, my problem must be there's something wrong with me. That's why the devil attacked me. No, Jesus was perfect and he got tempted. You with me? And so looking at these things, these scriptures are given by inspiration from God and there's a reason they were given. Not all of it is directly God speaking. Right? When we see a story about Judas betraying Jesus and the others, and he goes and says, hey, how much are you going to give me? I'll sell out at this price. I'll change my values at this price. Okay, you'll give me these amount of silver coins. That was not God, but it was inspired by God to be put in there because it would help us. We don't need a sellout point. 
I mean, I don't think when he first was compromising in his life, he thought that here, a little compromise there, a little compromise, a little more compromise, a little more compromise would lead to the ultimate compromise. I don't believe he ever thought that when he started out. I thought he probably thought, I can get away with this, I can get away with this, this is okay. But he didn't realize as he kept going, all of a sudden he was willing to do something that when we read about it, we're blown away. I think. Right? Who, who, who would turn over Jesus? Who, who would quit on Him and give up on Him like that? I mean, somebody who watched people who were crippled get healed and blind eyes open and since I bet you, you know, I mean, if we sense God right now, and we do here, I bet they, he did in his life. And, but, man, why did God put that in the Scripture? God inspired that it would be there because he doesn't want us to make the same kind of mistakes. Then he put success stories in there so that when we're walking in life, we could do the things that count and make for success. Right? I mean, isn't it cool that God put in there stuff uh, when Peter did cuss? I'm not endorsing that. But then he got back up and went for it. He made an adjustment and he went for it and went for it and went for it. And regardless, he just stuck with it and he went for it. Well, that, what he said was not inspired by God. Did, God didn't inspire Peter to, to deny Jesus. But he inspired the writers to put it in so we could know that failure is not final. That we can move on from where we're at. And, and it's cool that God put in there that when Jesus rose from the dead, he said, to the people that were there, he said, go tell my disciples and Peter. Why did he do that? Because I bet Peter wasn't having just the greatest of day. You know, he went, woohoo, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I was, oh my, I just denied Jesus. I could have stood up for him. You know he was probably beating himself up, and I'm sure the enemy was there helping him. And so, it, but it's inspired to be put in there. And then the, the Lord looks at him, comes and tells him, you go tell the disciples and you go tell Peter because I want to make sure he knows. Well, when we read that, we can recognize, hey, God's going to reach out to me even if my life has not been perfect. And he's going to want to help me along. If he did it with Peter and he's another person like you are, then he'll do it for you too. And it's not final. Are you okay? Everybody, everybody good? And so Peter, I mean, that's written in there. Now what Peter did was not inspired by God. What was written was inspired by God. You ever read across certain things? They didn't, you know, in, in your Bible reading time, they didn't mean anything a, six months ago or a year ago. But today you read across those same verses and all of a sudden it's like, 
Whoa, that fits. That's what I'm going through. That's it. I've thought this because some scriptures to me are pretty obscure. And over the years, the Lord in reading the Bible, this is what's profound to me. All of a sudden, a verse of scripture that I'd never seen and a situation was going on and the scripture was so obscure, I thought, man, that's speaking to me. God is speaking to me through those verses right now. They are so real. How could it be that I'm on this page today and I'm going through this today and he's dealing with me and I'd never seen that verse like that before. I've thought this, man, when God moved on those holy men way back then, he moved on those holy men to put these things in so that he could speak to me through them today. You know there's stuff that's in there that none of us have seen yet. Somebody says, well, I've read the Bible. So have I. But that doesn't mean you've seen it all. Far be it. And, and you might say, well, I've read it a number of times. I'm with you. But that doesn't mean you've seen it all. But as we keep moving on with God, that book that was inspired to put those things in there, there's going to be some stuff in there we're going to look at as we keep approaching the Lord's return and as we're walking in the light and seeing these things, they're going to speak to us. And I guarantee you, we're going to be glad that He inspired people to put those in there way back then. And they'll be pertinent to us today. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Not only is it inspired, God promoted, God moved on to be written all this stuff in there, but it's profitable. It's profitable. How many people want to invest in something that's profitable? If you join the stock market, get involved in the stock market, or you go to a bank, you know, let's say you're going to go to a bank, you know, people, uh, if they, if there's a big sign out in front of your, your bank that you drive up to your local neighborhood bank, and it said, not FDA, FDIC, whatever, insured, uh, we're not doing hot, uh, come put your money here. How many of you guys are just going to stop right in there and go, sounds good? You're going to think, um, that's not profitable. Or there's a real possibility that that's not profitable. I remember when I was in Bible school, I was a van driver for a hotel. I wore a tall hat. No, I just made that up. See if who's picturing this, you know, big puffy shoulders and the jacket. No. And some of you are looking at me like I'm Abraham Lincoln now, right, with tall hat. But anyway, I would t get interesting people. Uh, because the hotel was a real, you know, at that time a fairly expensive hotel or a nice one in the area. And so we would get people like rock stars and heads of big corporations and just different things. Well, I got this bank auditor that would go into banks that were about to fail. And, uh, and they would check banks. And, and I said, I is there a, a bank around here? And they said, oh, yeah. And I thought, I live over there. I'm thinking, Where, do I move my money? Listen, and they, and they couldn't tell me exactly the name. 
because, you know, they don't want to do that. Could you imagine? Then people, then if a bank was in trouble, it would be over because everybody would be like, goodbye. But do you think about it? If we knew that something was absolutely profitable, why would we not invest in it? And he said it's profitable for doctrine or the structure of the way we believe. It's profitable for reproof or for, for uh, speaking some reproof to us, for correction, for instruction in how you're going to live if you're going to live with God. And whether you're going to live with God or not, we need to know that that's what it's there for. He said, what's the purpose? So that the man of God may be complete or literally mature and develop, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Isn't that interesting that the Scripture is given by inspiration of God that we might mature and be able to do good works on the earth? If we're really going to do good things in the sight of God and do things the way we ought to, we've got to put the Word where it belongs. And if we're going to live in authority, and we're going to live using a God-given authority, the basis of it is going to be by the absolute integrity of God's written Word. Matthew 24, Jesus said, you know, this is at the end of His life here on the earth. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but My Word will never pass away. And I'm so glad that they captured the Word of God by His design in Scripture. So we have this book knowing that heaven and earth is going to pass away. All this natural stuff. Your body isn't even going to be the same. This earth is going to be changed when the Lord comes back. The structure of spiritual things, meaning the unseen wicked spirits, moved away. All this stuff is going to change. Heaven and earth will pass away, but His Word will never pass away. Now I want to look at a different scripture. And we've read this before, but turn to Mark 16. God has invested so much in the Bible that it's fascinating that not only am I here to discuss with you that it is the basis for all of life's issues, how we have authority, how we believe, how we structure how we pray, how we structure how we live. Our whole attitude is to be influenced by this book. And notice this, that God has invested so much in this book that He protects it and has kept it protected. And as people go, it's getting old, it's been altered. All of a sudden they find copies of Scripture that are 2,000 years old. And the Dead Sea Scrolls with almost all the Old Testament, uh, they've got that that was before Jesus was here. And we can see that the Scriptures, are their integrity has been held. 
And so even science in those areas digs things up and goes, oh, then it hasn't changed like people say. Oh, it's changed so much you can't trust it. No, we must trust the Word of God. And so God inspired it to be written and it to be put in there. But not only that, God has protected it and watched over it like He did with Jesus when He was on the earth. He watched over it. He has watched over this book. And he will watch over this book until he returns. But there's another side to this book that I think is valuable too. Mark 16:20. Jesus left. He told the people, the disciples, and all believers. This would include you. He said, we need to go share our faith and tell people, man, we're closer to the end than we ever were. And he said, go do these things with the Word. You could say it like this. Bring your friends so they can hear. Go tell people you know so they can hear. But then he made this statement right here to endorse his Word. Not people, his Word. And they went out and preached everywhere, verse 20. Now what did he tell them to preach? He said, go preach the gospel. Go preach the good news. We know the Bible has the good news in it. And he said, go preach the good news. And he said, preach everywhere. And the Lord was working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Isn't it interesting that he makes this statement here, and in Acts 14.3, the disciples were preaching the message of the gospel, and the Lord worked and confirmed the message with signs following there. What does this mean? We have a book that is inspired by God. But not only do we have a book that is inspired by God, but God will do things and demonstrate things to point people to make this a confirmation. Example, if you've got kids, you know, they'll say, Dad said it. Mom said it. You ever remember that? Only two people? Oh yeah, we do that all the time. When it's to our favor. Right? Well, Mom said. Dad said. And they're, no, they didn't. Then they go and they're like, did, they, did you say it? And they're like, yep. Oh, well, what was he doing? He was confirming his word. He was backing up his word. So God does that in various ways too. God demonstrates his word. He confirms his word. He backs it up. One is the results that come from following the word. From genuinely following the Word and acting on the Word. He never lets it fail. The only failures that are, are man-made. But if people would follow the Word, and he said if you would just go out there and do some preaching, and I don't mean like I'm doing right here, you know, go out there to your neighbor and bring a little podium to their front door, set it up there and knock. You're like, good afternoon, I want to talk to you today. 
I'm going to preach and then God's going to do something. No, that's not what I mean. What I mean is you can go and just share things, talk to people, God will start working. One thing that's fascinating about here, you get in here and you sense God. We're singing songs about the Lord. You sense the Lord. We speak His Word. He does things. He demonstrates things in power. What is the purpose behind that? Just so you have goosebumps and feel good? Now, God's for that. Aren't you glad it's not torment that He gives you? You're like, ugh! Ugh! You're like, yeah, the Word's good, huh? No, there's peace. There's comfort. There's His mercy and His presence and all that He is backs it up. Wouldn't it be horrible if that's how it was? Oh, it was good today. Why are you all bent out of shape? Oh, because when the Lord starts moving. No, when He started moving here, what was the purpose of Him doing this stuff? To get people trusting His Word. To get people to accept His inspired Word. To get people to lay hold of the things He wrote and said. You know, I, I don't mean to knock people, but I lived across the street from a Buddhist temple when I lived in California. I mean literally right across the street. There were some really big homes and um, some monks or whatever, you know, the group of them, they moved into this one big home and there was a bunch of them, you know, and you say, how do you know they were monks? Because they all wore sheets. Or whatever those things are called, you know. And, and I would always like be, hey, how are you doing? And then they wouldn't say anything. Eventually I got some to say hello. Anyway, then they bought the home next to it, tore the thing down and put like a building there where like their temple thing or whatever. And... Um, and so I would talk to them, and then they said, well, you can come. And I said, okay. I went over there one day. They were doing this thing, and they had just bunches of bottles of water that they were blessing for people, tons of them. And, um, and I asked them, because there's all these statues, and there were people in there praying or chanting. And they, I said, what is this? They said, well, this hand signal means this and this and they're like, do you sense, don't you sense the peace of God in here? Um, I said, or peace. I said, because they said that this is for peace. And I said, well, actually, I don't. And I didn't. I wasn't lying. I thought, I need to invite you to my living room. <laughs> and we'll do a let's check this out thing. And I thought, man, I was in there, and then I uh, thought, man, it's just, it's, it's like yuck in here, actually. And I thought, and they're doing all this stuff, but it's yuck. They're doing religious things, and I'm not trying to be mean. I recognize they're trying to pursue and find God. But God does not want people to be deceived. So He is not going to confirm things with His divine ability. Now, I understand there are people who can give you false signs, but I'm talking where you have His presence and all these different things. I'm not talking the false. Where God works and it 
God, God's true working will point people to trust in His written word. To go, it's a safe thing. And when it happened in the book of Acts, in the 8th chapter, the people turned and accepted Jesus based on the word. Then it said once they believed, great joy was in the city. You know, people's hearts, even as Christians, lose a peaceful settling when they don't fully trust His Word. Hearts get settled when we just go, okay, that's it, whatever it says, that's it. I'm going to accept it, I'm going to do it because it is inspired. Our hearts will find rest. They cannot find any other way. People who are looking for peace will find it no other way except for in His Word. And so when we go, okay, and this is the thing, as a Christian, we've all had encounters with God. As a non-Christian or a non-believer, you could be having one right now. They could be watching and having one. These things should drive us to His Word to exalt His Word. When we sense God and make light of these things, and it doesn't move us to the place of exaltation of the Word, we do have a temporary experience, but it doesn't have the full impart that it's supposed to have internally. That would settle us and make us strong and do a work in us that would help us in this day we live. And so God here said that He worked with them and He demonstrated to confirm the Word. God will demonstrate to confirm the Word so people will act on the Word and believe the Word. We, read, we quoted that verse in Acts 14.3, but turn with me to 1 Thessalonians. We're going to wrap it up here. But look at this in 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. Very interesting scripture here. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. Notice this. He said, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it. They weren't critical of it. They didn't argue with it. They welcomed it. They didn't crack the door a little bit and say, well, if you want to get in here. No, they, they opened up to the Word. They welcomed it. Not as the Word of men. We're talking about authority and being able to exercise authority. The basis for our authority will come through what we accept from the Word of God in our exaltation of the Bible. To put it in the place it actually already possesses in heaven. But we put it there in our life, and these guys did. They said they welcomed it, not as the Word of men, well, it wasn't the word of men. Some people are mistaken because they say, yeah, but men wrote the Bible, but those men were moved by God. 
But notice he said, not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God. As it is in truth, the word of God. You welcomed it, not like it was just some other book, but you welcomed it, you know, not like it was a great author, but that the author was God. You opened the door wide. But as it is in truth, the Word of God, notice this, which also effectively works in you who believe, or you could say it like this, the Word only works for those who accept it like it is God's Word. And you welcome it like it's God's Word. You know, you ever had somebody come to your house and you're thinking, ah, man, I don't have time to let them in. If they come in here, it's over. I got to get going. And if they come in, it's done. There goes my day. So you kind of just don't go outside. Now don't look at me like, is that what happened? But you understand what I'm saying. These people welcomed it and just said, okay, whatever you say, word, you are God's word. I'm not holding back. I'm not restraining. I'm welcoming you. That's like the Bible said, with meekness we'll begin to accept it, meaning without arguing, then your thinking will begin to change, your soul will change, you'll enter into peace. But here he said, for the people who do accept it, not as the word of man, but you accept it as God speaking to you, notice he said, this is what will happen to those people. It will work effectively in you. That's pretty simple. But how do people receive God's Word? Do we receive it and go, yeah, that was a great sermon. Or do I go, well, what were the Scriptures that were in there? And what was it that God was saying in those verses? And, and I accept it. And when I accept it, like it's not just me who's giving it, but I'm giving God's Word. Because you know, some people get mad at people when they preach and they'll go, you said this. Well, actually, I only repeated what Jesus said. And so we need to realize, if, like when people get a little, uh, not people here, over the Word... We need to realize that can affect the authority we walk in. Because didn't he say here, it works effectively, not ineffectively, effectively. You ever done things and thought that wasn't effective? I was talking to tomorrow the other day, and we were talking about drilling in metal. And he said, you know, all these years I'd go through drill bits, drill bits, and drill bits. And somebody said, oh, just push real hard and get the speed real slow and you'll get through the metal and you won't burn up drill bits. And he changed. And guess what? He became effective. He had labored before 
and he learned something. He accepted what they said. What if he would have went, yeah, what do those people know? I know how to, I know how to use a drill as fast as you can and just be going through drill bits and not being effective. Notice he said this becomes effective when you believe or you apply it. What does it mean to believe? means when you hear it inside, you accept it with your attitude. What does it mean to renew your mind? To begin to think different. Not just read a scripture, just to change the whole process. So if I'm going to believe the word, I'm just going to accept it at face value. He said, then it will become effective to you. Not to me. To you. But if I do it, it will become effective to me. I'll tell you what, this is the basis for authority. So as we move forward in this teaching, I promise you this, anybody who accepts, me, you, anybody who accepts the Word at face value, as we see these things, it will begin to work in you. It will begin to work greater in me. Doesn't matter who you are, you have control over your own attitude. And really, attitude is just how we think, how we process. So when we hear these further truths along this line, we today in this world use the word attitude, but in the Bible they just talked about that's the way you think. But it, how our attitude is when we hear these things will determine how effective they work in our life. And you know what's cool? You have control over your own attitude. And if there's an attitude you have that you don't like toward the Word of God, you can start working to change that attitude. What would be the purpose? Effective. Effective. Amen. Aren't you glad God's working in here? You know why He's doing that? For you. For you. Because He loves you. And He wants you to be able to go, yep, this directs me right to His Word. This directs me to the truth of Scripture. I can trust in it. Aren't you glad we don't have to do this alone? We get to do this with God.